Wow, that was that was a boring game. That was a boring game. So, Bears fans, if you did watch that game, if you did watch the Thursday game between Carolina and Chicago, and you fell asleep like most people did, don't worry about it. I'm here for you. This is what this is what the BTU pod is all about. If you missed that game for whatever reason, don't worry. You didn't miss anything at all. I'm going to sum this up for you guys. Talk about this week and also talking about the week coming up. Big game against the Detroit Lions as well. This is going. This is our. Um, this is my. This is the next show on the Better Up Pod. I want to thank everybody first off for making last week our second most um, viewed episode ever. Uh, small steps going into a bit um, bigger thing. So appreciate y'all so much once again, and I guarantee. That this next 30 minutes of your time will be way more exciting than the two and a half hours you had to spend last Friday watching the Bears. So, appreciate it so much. Tune in and bet that up. Defense itself 
is only a couple players away, a, a couple of moves away from actually being a top tier defense. And looking at it right now, we are kind of kind of in a very good defensive run when it comes to um, what we're or what we're doing. So yes, the the Denver. If you take out those first few games that we um, lost, if you start starting up as far as October 15th, so a month ago from today, we gave up 12, 13 points, 12 points, 13 points, 17 points, and 13 points. Well below league, league average. Uh, the defense has been dominant, and because of that, I am going to shift the narrative for the Chicago Bears. I'm not going to sit back and say, hey, Bezos should start or Fields should start because as of right now, I know and the people watching this, listen to the show as well both understand that we don't. The offense is something that's a work in progress. And Beijing getting 83 yards passing for um against Minnesota or this this past week he had 162. That doesn't really help us out a, a ton. Talking about these mediocre numbers, the numbers won't get better. Until we get a better game plan on on offense, until we get guys more involved, until we get creative and getting DJ more the ball, until we stop acting like Darnell Moody wasn't the number one receiver for a couple of years here in Chicago, we like like we don't like we don't have a guy such as Cole Komet that can get those those tough yards um those tough yards in third and short or go up and get it and and if he has a really good matchup against a smaller safety. So we're just not going out there and making the plays the right way. And this is and that's reason why that our offense is all as as sputtered, but defensively has continued to be the constant within this team. So I want to I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on the on the quarterback issue. There's so many other um key players on on the Chicago Bears team. But I want to um I really want to take a look at and and narrow in on the on the coach, Matt Eberflus. And Eberflus took over defensive play calling um at the beginning of the season. So he's the head coach and defensive um play caller. And since he took over defensive responsibilities, it took a little bit of time for things to get things to get on the right path. But this team has been very good, not giving up more than three touchdowns in over a month, which is really, really impressive, especially if you look at how the game is now, how easy it is for team to score, how how much teams are putting up, what's going on with a lot of the a lot of the teams. You look at Miami, you look, you look at Detroit, who are going to be playing this week. Those teams could put up points, but the Bears have been have done a good job of not allowing teams to put up a lot of points by by stifling that run game, making them pass the ball, but also not getting beat deep so that the team has to like drive down the field, bend but don't break. It's ugly football. I know it's ugly football, but this is how you kind of get together a really good, I want to say championship level defense. But a really, really good defense. So, if you want, if I look at the defensive rankings for for this season, these and these were updated as me uh, of me um, 
filming this podcast, which is on Wednesday, um, right before the start of Week 11. The Bears, as far as total defense goes, the Chicago Bears are 15th. Middle of the pack, as far as the, uh, as far as the defensive team, overall. But that number is a little bit misguiding because on the pass on the pass front, pass defense were 26. One of the worst teams in the league on the pass defensive side. Right above, oddly enough, the Pittsburgh Steelers who have a 6-3 record. And they continue to win ugly. As far as the rush defense, we are second in the league. Only allowing 76 yards a game right below the, the um, Philadelphia 76. Philadelphia Eagles. I'm sorry, hoop season started to come up already. Um, but we're right, we're above those teams, right? Or above the Lions, above the Niners, above the Browns, above a lot of these really stout teams. That when you think defensive efficiency and how to stop the run, you don't think the Chicago Bears is number two. But we are the second best team when it comes to running the ball. I mean, stopping the run. And honestly, going back into it, looking at what we're what we haven't faced. I'm going to say something that I didn't think I was going to say at the beginning of the year. Or four or five weeks ago, I think Matt Eberflus should stay with the Chicago Bears organization. I don't think we should fire him. Now, should he be demoted? Is he going to be okay with um, being a defensive, defensive coordinator for us because he has coached his defense to a good level? I don't know. But the just the job he's done on the defensive side of the ball this year shows me he can coach in the NFL. He can coach. He may not be the best game manager. He may not understand how to go at into press conferences. But one thing I have noticed with Matt Eberflus is that Matt Eberflus can coach defense. And without him and when we had Allen Williams at the helm as the defensive coordinator, we gave up a lot of yards passing and running. Now we have focused in on stopping the run, making these teams um, beat us with the pass, and a lot of teams can't beat us with the pass. So this is one of those kind of weird things that I wasn't expecting. You know, things change as the season goes on and just being 100% frank with you, I think that the Bears have a good coach on the defensive side of the football. What does, does that buy him an extra year? Can he tip, can he have his end of the end of, end of the end of the season meeting with with Ryan Poles and say, "Hey, I was I was I was dealt I was dealt a bad hand. Wasn't expecting Al Williams to go. Let me get my let me get another offensive coordinator. Let me get another defensive coordinator. Let's get this thing back together. Let's run it back one more year." Because there's no reason to be impatient about that. There's no reason to be impatient. But this defense won us the football game. Yes, I know Carolina can't can't protect anybody. I know they can't. I know they don't have legitimate receivers on um, that can that can win one on one matchups outside of Adam, Adam Thielen, who was on the, is in the last couple of years, maybe year of his career. But to do this consistently, to to frustrate teams consistently, to be able to stop teams from scoring 20 points with no actual pass rush. It's been so many games that we've had one or zero sacks. Our leading and our leading, um, our, the the Jalen Johnson leads the team to interception, and he has two. And we're week 11. We're not we're not getting turnovers, and we're still a good defense. So. 
there's a lot of things to be happy for. There's a lot of things to be hopeful for on the defensive side of the football. But this game was an ugly one. This one, we really had, we, we held Carolina to only 43 total rushing yards this game. 43 total rushing yards. Bryce Young only had 18. He was he was under he was under the rest a lot the rest a lot. He got sacked three times. Um he was hit another three times as well. So he got a total of six, I believe. Six quarterback. Six times he was hit or pressured in one way or another. Uh, Montez Sweat, even though he didn't get any credit to any sacks or tackles, but he was back there kind of rushing and, and making uh, and making Bryce Young get rid of that ball quicker, and that's what you need to do up up against a rookie quarterback. Make his make his clock um, go faster. Make him kind of think a little bit more. Kind of like, hey, I need to get rid of this ball faster than he needs to be. And it it plays to our advantage because nobody on the Panthers team was a threat when it come, when it came to being us being us deep. So we was able to just stop those, stop stop that passing game, and made it for an an easy an easy win. Honestly, an easy overall win. Yes, if Panero um, doesn't miss both field goal, doesn't miss a field goal, it's, it's a 16-16 game. And but also on the other side of that, we had a punt return for a touchdown. They've had a punt return for a touchdown and. That itself made it so that that game was closer than it should have been. So there's a lot of avenues to go with this. There is a bunch of things to look at. But if you take out that punt return touchdown, Bears only gave up six points. That's a 16 and six game, and that's despite the fact that Bayes only threw for 162. So overall, I think that the game on the defensive side is going great. But we need to be able to focus in and be better offensively as an entire team. But um, for those who did not, who didn't get a chance to be able to sit back and watch this game, I'm going to go over the good, bad, and ugly because this is something that I, I, I love to be able to talk about. And this is this this brings out a lot of these elements within this game that that if you have had a good um, a, a good chunk of it, um, a good chunk of watching the Bears in, in this NFL season, you just want to be able to see what are the good aspects of us. What do we need to change? So, good, I want to say the good is because of this win, Carolina falls to 1-8, and eight, and looking at the tank, uh, Tankathon um, drive ratings, that, that gives them a really good inside track to the number one overall seed, which... We have that pick, which gives us another one overall seed too. Us winning puts us at the five spot. So right now we have two top five picks. Of course, that's going to subject to change because there are going to be wins here and there. But with the Giants, with the Giants losing Daniel Jones, who had who's had a bad year anyway this year, there's a really good chance that the Bears probably. Are going to be able to get their guy, Marvin Har- Marvin Harrison Jr. MH3 um, in the in the draft because the got the teams that are ahead of us, or in between us and our picks and our picks, the Giants, the New England Patriots who need another quarterback as well, 
and the Arizona Cardinals, who looks like Kyler Murray might be their quarterback. They still they're still going to have Kyler Murray, so no none of those teams are really in the running for a quarterback. I mean, none of those teams are running for running for a quarter. I mean, those teams are running for a quarterback. So any other team that's going to have to jump over is going to have to pay a, a really hefty price to get over us. And we're just trying to get the best player available on the offensive side of the ball, which will be MH3. So the good, definitely, our draft position is definitely skyrocketed a lot. And this is going to help and this is going to help us be able to revamp and get, make this offense that much better. As far as the bad goes, I'm going to have to bring the bad to both offenses. Um, but actually, you know what? I'll take that back. Take that back. I'm going to give the bad to the Carolina Panthers rebuild. So we're going to segue right into this. So the Carolina Panthers believe that their guy was Bryce Young. So what? The, so last year they traded up to be able to get the number one pick from us and go on leapfrogging number nine, get rid of their number one receiver in DJ Moore to be able to get number get the number one draft pick. We gave they gave us a future first, which is coming up for this year. So this year, being one and eight and having the worst record, the Carolina Panthers do not pick, do not have a first round pick at all, and they actually do not get a chance to make a selection until the first pick in the second round. So that is the exact opposite of how you want to be able to get your first overall draft pick acclimated into the NFL. By starting off with, hey, I know you didn't have any receivers or O-linemen this year to protect you and throw the ball to. But guess what? Next year, you probably won't have any first-round talent either. Maybe if somebody falls, but overall, you're not going to have any talent because we thought that you were good enough to be able to get us to that next level. And they kind of they overspent for what they what they had. So, that's the Carolina Panthers. Rebuild. Now the ugly, the ugly is Thursday night football in general. So Thursday night football, and going way back, I was a opponent of Thursday night football in the first place because Thursday night football, giving a team a short weeks like that, it it leads to bad or sloppy play. Thursday night games aren't good for a reason because. They have a game on Sunday. Team has a game on Sunday. They will sit back and then they will come out. They will have maybe a walkthrough on Monday, practice Tuesday, travel Wednesday, game Thursday. Or some coaches that are um, really, really strict and hard nosed, practice Monday, practice Tuesday, travel Wednesday, game Thursday. You don't get those reps and that and ability that that time to be able to practice and get ready for another game. So. Thursday night football is going to be bad unless the NFL changes it. And if a team has planned Thursday night, they give them a built-in bye so that they have a week and a half to prepare for that Thursday game. That's the only way they're going to be able to make these Thursday games, these Thursday primetime games that they're trying to promote on Amazon Prime, watchable. Monday nights, we can make that work because if you play Monday and you play the next following Sunday, that's fine. But going from Sunday night to Thursday night it's going to always lead to bad football. Just give me this this it's not gonna change, nothing's gonna do, they could they and this is what's gonna happen. So 
good, bad, ugly, but the ugliest part is for the fans having no, that really love football and are watching Thursday Night Football on Prime. So I'm just gonna give you guys a heads up if you if you do love football so much and you hate Thursday Night Football in NFL, watch college. Watch college. It is a much better game overall to watch on Thursdays because they have an extra day to prep. So that's the good, bad, ugly. Um, we're going to take a break and I'm going to get into um, my, uh, my scouting and preview for Bears Lions. All right, so I want to tell you guys a little story. I'm going to tell you a little story and not to. Because uh, I want to give you guys a little bit more insight of what my of my actual life is. So, last year, I had a crazy amount of events that happened to me. And one of those crazy events were that um, the building I lived, the apartment building I lived in, we had a bunch of people living in it, and the 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 power circuit, the power circuit uh, failed, and we had to exit out of our apartment on the 23rd of December. And we were kind of in limbo for a while, wasn't able to get back to my apartment until, until January 17th. But throughout this, I already had a planned trip to go to Detroit to watch the Bears play the Lions. I was super excited to go about to this game. Originally, I've never been to a, um, I've never been to Detroit before to watch the Bears game, so I was excited about it. And then as the time was going, getting closer and closer with a lot of things going on, um, chaos was ensuing where my apartment wasn't sure what was going to happen. I was super excited for that game. And then we got there, and then the Bears lost 10-41. The game was over at halftime. And that moment I looked at Detroit, like a little bit of the different team. They weren't the team that... Had, it was between us, the two of us, who was going to finish last. Sometimes they will finish last. Sometimes we'll finish last. But I saw this team as the next team up in the NFC North. I knew Rogers was going to be leaving. Um, I knew Rogers was going to be leaving Green Bay, and I thought that the Vikings were going to be good this year. But I did. But I thought that it was going to be Vikings and Lions battling. But as of right now, Detroit has really taken over the NFC North. I think they are far, far and away the uh, in the lead. I'm double checking this right now, but I 100% believe that the Vikings. Matter of fact, the Lions have a one and a half game lead over the Vikings, and then it's the Packers and the Bears at three, six, and three, seven, and three and seven. So they do have a really good lead. Two, two, um, two. Games up on the loss column on the Vikings, so it's a, they have an inside track to be able to uh, win, win the division. I've seen this team up close and personal dominate the Bears. I've also seen this team on the first game of the season on Thursday night take it to the Kansas City Chiefs, who blew us out. So the biggest thing about the Lions is that they can pressure the football. They can pressure the football, and it's led by Aiden Hutchinson, and this guy is a freak athlete. So far this season, he has four and a half sacks, uh, four tackles for loss, and he's all over the place. They move they move him around a lot. Sometimes he drops back into coverage. Um, he's a lot to deal with, but he's not the only one. So, Aiden McNeil from the D-tackle position has four sacks as well. Alex Anz Anzalone from the linebacker position 
has three has three sacks. So this tells me that they aren't content with just dropping four back. They're gonna blitz. They're gonna pressure you. They're gonna make things uncomfortable. And for Justin Fields now, I know last episode I said that Fields Fields I thought Fields was coming back. He didn't. Evil Fools held him out. But he all it looks like they're willing to go. He's willing to go this game. So the biggest issue now that we have our our, our QB one back is how are they going to protect him? What's going to happen is. Is Getsy going to be able to come up with a game plan that's going to one protect Fields and two make the Detroit Lions play play a little bit loose and fast so that they can get to our um, our receivers? They have way too much speed all over the field for those screen passes to work. They have they're they're way too smart. They're way too hard nosed of a defensive team to be able to try to run screens over and over again. So we're gonna to need to be able, so Getz is gonna to need to be able to have a actual game plan that relies more on misdirection and trying our best to go vertical against them instead of going horizontal. So that's gonna that's what we're gonna to have to try to stop on the defensive side of the ball, being able to make those plays happen. And also gotta be creative. You gotta figure out how to be able to get DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, the ball. We got to be able to figure out how to give them the ball. If we don't give them the ball, it's going to be a long game again. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, it doesn't make things um, easier as well because Jared Goff, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Jared Goff's having a really good season. 2,500 passing yards, 14 touchdowns, only five picks. Um, he hasn't sacked 15 times, but I kind of expect that from Jared Goff. He's not a guy that's going to get out the pocket. Um, and he also he has a he has a good mesh of receivers to be able to throw the ball to. So he, they have the good St. Brown brothers. So if you don't know, uh, Equinemius St. Brown plays for the Chicago Bears. He's not that good. He's not good. He's probably not an NFL caliber wide receiver. I mean, Ross St. Brown on the other side is one of the better wide receivers in the in um in the league. I'm not saying he's top three, top four, but so far in the season he has eight hundred and twenty one passing yards. Eight twenty one. He gets over hundred yards a game, so he's one of the guys that's gonna get make makes back breaking plays for the um um for any team that's going against Detroit. But also one thing you have to look at in the passing game as well is that is Sam Laporta. He the um the rookie, Sam Laporta, really tall, rangy tight end. Very good to be able to get um very good to be able to get across go across the middle. He's somebody who if we're not messed up properly or if we're running the zone and we don't take um see exactly where he is, we will have problems and he will be able to make a lot of back breaking plays against us as well. So there's a lot of avenues that that this team has to be able to beat us in the passing game. And also, the run game consists of them, uh, a dual running back system of David Montgomery and Jamar Gibbs as well. So, both of those guys right now, Montgomery has 501, Gibbs has 476. So, pretty close to about the same. 
different kind of backs, but also very, very good as be able to spell each other as well. So it's going to be a tough game. Right now, as I'm checking it, the line is at 10. The line's at 10 right now. Uh, so it's not looking that way, not looking a good way for the Bears to be able to pull off the upset. But there is, there is a chance. There's a fighting chance, especially we got Fields back. Um, I don't think this is the one that we win. I think that when we play them um, towards the end of the season, that might be one when they're not as as focused on it. But I'm going to give this one to the Detroit Lions. I'm going to say 31-21. I'm sorry. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah, 31-21. Detroit getting, getting a victory this time around and actually taking us um, into a probably a better spot as far as being able to get to the the number of victories we need to be able to stay within that top five range and for both our picks. So going so so going in a little bit further, uh, my scouting my scouting this week has been has been about Marvin Harrison Jr. III, MH three. He is one of he is. I feel he's the best talent in his draft. I think he's the best talent in his draft. I think he's the best player in his draft. I don't think he's going to go number one because the NFL has a quarterback problem. And that's something I want to talk about probably in another episode. But there is a reason, there's an understanding of why the why the why quarterbacks are always going higher up in the draft even if they're not ready to be number one picks. But that's neither here nor there. I watched... A little bit over a half of the game, Ohio State versus Michigan State, which sometimes it is a marquee matchup, but this wasn't one of those years. And Marvin Harrison Jr. is just too big, too strong, too fast for a lot of players in college. His numbers aren't the same as they were last year, but he's not having—he doesn't have CJ Stroud throwing the ball, so that his numbers are going to dip. But he is. Way too good right now to be able to be covered in 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 a one on one fashion. So if you so Michigan State was really bold and had their true freshman on the island against Marvin Harrison, and they kind of took a light on him. They wanted to get everybody else involved, but they could have just went to him seven eight times in a row, and he would have had a monster number. But they want to get everybody involved, and that's fine. So looking at the guy. Looking at Marvin Harrison, he is right now listed at 6'4", 205. He has dangerous speed, crazy athletic, strong catch, uh, strong hands, so he, that people aren't able to take the ball away from him. Eat um, very easy, great route tree. He's a he's a can't miss prospect. He's a guy that if you get a chance to draft him. You draft him. Not, I don't want to go too far into hyperbole and predictions. That's going to be something I do for, in off season. But I feel like he's going to be one of those guys that, when year seven, year eight of, of his career comes in, we are going to they they're going to start running those graphics and saying these are the guys picked above Marvin Harrison. 
And it's going to show, like, oh, this is what happened with this player, and this is what happened to this player, and this is what happened with this guy and this team. So, honestly, Marvin Harrison is the right way to go from all this scouting I've done this year, which hasn't been a ton, but he is the one that jumps off the field every single time. And I think that it'll be crazy for us to not draft him with either one of our picks. If it comes down to it and we get one and five and we're looking at guys that's ahead of us that may get one Caleb Williams, that's fine. You can trade down one, maybe trade down two, but I don't want them to go too far down because we need to make sure we get that dynamic playmaker and pair him with DJ Moore. Also, I'm going if we do get Marvin Harrison, I will try to persuade Stacey King from the Chicago Bulls broadcaster to unretire and let the Chicago Bears use too big, too fast, too strong, such as Derrick Rose there, because I feel like Marvin Harrison will be that kind of a difference maker in Chicago. But we do have two picks. We do have two picks. And what do you do with that second pick? What do the Bears do with that, as of right now, number five pick in the draft? Do we go defense? Do we... Do we sure up the O-line? For me, personally, it's a no-brainer. We sure up the O-line. Uh, I know Braxton Jones is a has been a staple on the, on the Bears, and a lot of people do like him. But if you get that one guy that can protect that blind side at all costs, I think that I think it's worth it. I think it's worth I think it's worth getting another tackle. So. Going Marvin Harrison and I like Joe Oates honestly from um from Notre Dame six eight uh, they got him at three fifteen I don't think this is right let me just double check to see how big he actually is because I don't he doesn't look he doesn't look three eighteen on the film but real gr- real good overall player strong smart because he got into Notre Dame he's only twenty years old too so he has a lot of time to be able to get better. Uh, so he has they have him at 325 right now as well, and he's going to continue to keep better. He's going to continue to make, um, continue to get stronger and be a smarter, uh, a smarter football player. So he's on my list for uh, players to watch for next year as well. I mean for um, for this week as well to be able to scout. So I think we go Joe Old, Marvin Harrison Jr. Should make this offense better. Get rid of Getsy. Hopefully keep Eagle Flutes if he does um, as a head coach or as a defensive coordinator if he have to like move him down a little bit. Not sure if he's going to take it, but we'll see how this goes. And this is I think that's the making of getting the Bears on the right path for this rebuild. Being patient is something that a lot of us don't have because we've been bad for so long. But I think it's a lot of things that we can do with this team. So overall, oh, and it looks like. Also, Joe Oates also has a Joe Oates' father also played in the NFL as well. So, yeah, Joe Oates played in the NFL. He was six eight three hundred. Played. Uh, he was born in sixty two, and looks like he had a. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna do some more research on that, but it looks like Joe Oates. He comes from a football playing family, so that's always great. Two-time Pro Bowler was his father, so that's all. That's amazing. Um, with the Kansas City Chiefs in in his career, 1996. So um, this is 
this is what the Bears need to be able to do. Just make this offense better. Spin, spin the draft capital. Make the, make an offense better. And then from there, we're going to make the plays and actually maybe make that step up, make that jump up as the Detroit Lions has done. So that's, uh, that's all we got for today. Thanks, Thank you all so much for tuning in once again. Make sure you guys subscribe so you know when the next show is coming out. Appreciate y'all so much and bet that up.